What a beautiful moment right now as we introduce our guest preacher here this morning. Uh, Pastor Gordon and Joe Moore have been uh, ministering for over four decades. And uh, they've been doing this uh, all around the globe, actually, uh, in, different, uh, in different spheres as evangelists, as preachers, as ministers. And, uh, and I'm just uh, so grateful that in 1986, the Lord called them to, uh, to Australia. And uh, unfortunately, they kept supporting the All Blacks. But in 1986, they were called to, uh, to Brisbane. And uh, they felt called to actually the middle of the north part of Brisbane. And uh, Pastor Gordon was sharing with me just last night that uh, another preacher told him, he says, you're going to a preacher's graveyard. But he knew that God had called him to this place. And today that is a thriving church called C3 Church Bridgeman Downs with over 2,000 members. They've just transitioned the church last month to the next level of leadership. They have built a great church. They've been our C3 Queensland directors. They've been our C3 National Australian directors. They've been part of our C3 Global executive team, supporting and standing with Pastor Phil and Chris Pringle. I think they've done it all. I think they've achieved all there is to achieve in this great life of ministry. And we are honoured here this morning to have them with us and to hear Pastor Gordon preach. Can we give him a really warm welcome here this morning as he comes to preach the Word of God? Thank you very much, C3 Silverwater. We've been looking forward to coming and being with you, and um, we just love your pastors. Haven't you got great pastors? Yeah. Pastor Hartley and Nat, they're awesome. I'll tell you what, too, rumor is they're a bit of a hit up in Bridgman Downs, too. Did such a good job. We had them come up and preach our church and love them, and uh, they are just such fine leaders and fine ministers, and... Uh, it's just so great to be here and part of what you're doing. And um, I've got 30 minutes to preach the word, raise the dead, cast out devils. We're going to do everything this morning. We've got 30 minutes, okay? So we're going to go for it and we'll have a bit of fun. Uh, I loved your worship. I always love uh, the worship and the band. Thank you. Let's give them a big hand. They've done such a great job. Such a great job. And... Um, my word, oh boy, I'll tell you what, is God moving or what? Who believes God's moving? Do you believe stuff's happening? That's right, and, and God is doing incredible things. So let's be seated, shall we, and we'll, we'll start our meeting, get straight into it, because I've, I've got this time that I've got to be, and I've got to be a good pastor, a good boy this morning, pastor, very good, and uh, we'll do that. Um. But I thought what I'd do to start with, I love to do this, just pray for a few people. Um, and what, what happens when, just explain to you if you haven't seen this before, but for me it works like this. I find when I stand in a meeting just worshipping and in the presence of God, God speaks to me about different people and different things. And then if I just obey the Lord and say it, people say, hey, that's me, and miracles can happen. And uh, this is what we call the, the word of knowledge. And what it is, is God shows me something about you that I know nothing about. And people say, what's the significance of that? Well, the significance is this, that if you've been struggling with a need, and then a guest like me says what that need is, immediately faith comes. Because what happens when you've got a need 
that you've had for a while, you can accept it. And that's godly and that's gracious. And we, because you've got to get on with life, right? But who knows that God can heal? God can work miracles. God can provide for us. And so what happens with the word of knowledge is when we, when we say stuff like that, your faith this morning will just go, wow, it's not over. God can heal me. He will heal me today. And we're going to believe God for a few miracles, okay? And then we'll pray for some people at the end as well. So we'll do that as well. But as I was worshiping, these are the things that I felt. I felt there was someone here this morning, you've got a lot of problems in the top of your vertebrae that goes from about there to the bottom of your neck. I'm not actually a, um, I'm not actually a doctor, so I don't know the condition, but it's to do with your spine and you're in pain a lot and you're actually going to the doctors. Okay, so who's that person? Just raise your hand right, say right now. So it's in that pit place right there, you've got pain and it could be a disintegration. Did, did I see a hand? Help me here. Okay, that's good. The other person uh, is, is here, and it's worse down the bottom of your hammy. It's actually right in there, and you might even have treatment, but it's an injury that you've had, and you just can't get it fixed. You've had physio, you take drugs. Some nights you wake in the middle of the night, and it's all painful. It wakes you up. Who's that person? Who's that person? Just say is that you over here as well? And the other person too, you have a growth in behind your ear. I'm not sure whether it's the right side or the left, but I just feel it's on the right side, but it might not be. It's, it's a growth in behind there and you've had treatment for it. Who's that person? Just raise your hand. Is it, it could be up in the balcony as well. Just give me a wave. Is, who's that person? Okay. Any growth there behind there in the spine, uh, rather in the skull, behind the ear? Who's that person? pray for you and the last one is a person under here it's under the ribs and uh, it's very painful and it could be a disintegration of the bone or the muscle or the tendons who's that person just give me a wave just look at just give me a wave okay let's all stand together okay those people that raised their hand just come the lady here come and the lady over here there was someone here and I thought there was someone up the back as well you come too just come right now we're going to believe God. Can we turn this into a prayer meeting right now? I want you to pray because you know these people by name. If you know them by name, pray for them, okay? And say, God, just heal them this morning. Father God, right now, touch her. Right now, let the power of God come into this neck and heal her. The pain will go. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. A miracle will happen in the name of Jesus. Touch this woman right now, Father. The healing power of God's going to come. Touch her right now. Muscles, tendons, healing power of God, healing power of God. We speak the name of Jesus to you. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that? There you go. And you see what God does, okay? See what God does. Okay. Awesome. You can be seated. You're doing a theme on Philippians. You're talking about Philippians this month, right? Philippians is my favorite book. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. There's some others too that are favorite, but one of my favorite verses is actually in Philippians 2, and it says this, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. See, sometimes as Christians, we spend too much time, I feel, working on what should we do. 
But actually what we need to do is find the first part of that verse that says it's God who works in you both. Say both. Both to will or want to. To do. And I reckon the secret right there in that fantastic verse is finding the will of God in our hearts. So his will becomes your will. And when you know that God wants you to do something, then doing it's easy. If you know God wants you to do something, people say to us, how did you pack up all those years ago with nothing? And we literally arrived, we've got a photograph, people show it all the time in our church when they do the 30th anniversary and all this. And they show it and it's my wife and I with our four kids and we had six suitcases. That's how we arrived to Australia. We, 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 that's all we had. And that's why we love Australia, because we're Australians by choice. And then both of us and all our kids and all our grandkids, because we've got 14 grandkids, and we just had our first great-grandchild, they're all Aussies. Because we love Australia, and God's been so good to us. And it is true, Hartley, I've got to confess my sins, because you've got to be honest as a minister, right? I do support the All Blacks when they're not playing Australia. So I support Australia and everything, but I just can't, I, I can't do it. Especially when the All Blacks keep winning. It's just, you know. But anyway, we'll leave that aside, and, and we're going to talk about this. And people say, but how could you do that? Well, you know, the doing of it is actually the easy part once you're totally convinced. And you have a work of God in you to will it. Are you here? <laughs> So Paul's talking about, but so, okay, wow, Paul, that's simple. No, this is what's special about the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians was written when he was in jail for four years, and he was under a death sentence, and he mentions the word joy or rejoice 15 times in this little book. It's only four chapters. And he mentions the word joy or rejoice 15 times. So come on, he's in prison. What, he was a little happy, clappy Pentecostal in prison? Oh, hallelujah, the joy of the Lord's my strength. Oh, wow. No, he was not happy. He was very concerned. Why? Because he was taken and put in prison. He's beaten and he's, he's under consideration of the death penalty. And he says this, I will rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. Wow. And he talks about joy 15 times. So I thought this morning we could unpack a few ideas about the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Strength doesn't come from hype. Strength doesn't come because you're smart. Strength doesn't come because you're special. Strength comes because you found the joy of God in your life. The joy of the Lord is your strength. But you see, we've got a problem. See, to be a joyful Christian, you have to swim upstream against a culture that's not very joyful. And if you don't believe me, watch the news. And let me just say this. Australia is one of the most blessed nations in the world, but you wouldn't think so. Because we have this thing. We're not driven by joy. We're driven by happiness. 
And this is the mantra or the catch cry in Australia. I only want you to be happy. Why, there's even a song. Mm, don't worry. Be happy, you know. But you see, the Bible actually doesn't talk about happiness. It talks about joy. What's the difference? Well, let's discover this. I've had four children, and we've got 14 grandchildren and one great-grandchild, and I can tell you something about children, especially the terrible two stage. They are driven by one thing and one thing alone, happiness. I can remember many times getting in the car to go for a drive. So we're going to have a family outing and have happiness and joy. And you get in the car, and it starts like, no, 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 go in the car. Why are we going in the car? I want to play with my toys. We're going as a family to have fun. <laughs> no, 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 I don't want to go in the car because, wow, he pinched me. He's pinching me. What do you get my brother? He's pinching me. And so immediately the car is filled with the joy of the Lord, right? Who can relate to what I'm talking about here? So as a parent being driven by keeping your children happy, what do we do? Have a guess what, kids? We're going to go to McDonald's. Oh, wow, I want McDonald's. And now joy is filling the car. Everyone's happy. We drive into McDonald's, we get their order, and the order comes out, but there's no dipping sauce. I've got the chicken nugget and it went there. There's no chicken something. I brought you into the world. I'm going to take you out. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. So remember the conversation at the beginning of the outing? I don't want to go out. I want to stay home. So now we're going to go home. I don't want to go home. I want to stay at McDonald's in the playground. What is this? This is the heart or the motive of a self-indolent child who revolves their whole life around happiness. But you see, to live a joyful life, a life of strength, we have to get up above happiness and discover the joy of the Lord. What does it look like? How can Paul, as we said before, say, I'm rejoicing and I'm full of joy, yet he's in prison? And prison then wasn't prison like today. Prison today, you get three score meals, a good bed, you've got TV, recreation, everything. There, you were beaten probably every day, and you got slop for your food, yet he said, in all of these things, I'm going to rejoice. Wow. I think we need to discover some of that, don't we? Huh? So what he was talking about was not a human joy or happiness, He's talking about God's joy, a joy that comes from God. What about the Lord Jesus Christ? He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. Woohoo! Oh, baby. Woo! What is going to happen to you? I'm going to get crucified, man. It's my destiny. <laughs> no. 
he gets his disciples, he says, pray with me, pray with me. And he goes and falls down on his face. And the Bible said he sweats as though it were like drops of blood. And he's crying out, God, if it's possible, take this cup of crucifixion from me. And he went three times in anguish and agony. I didn't see no happiness there. But what does Hebrews chapter 12, 1 say? Who for the joy set before him, despised the shame, endured the cross, and is now set at the right hand of the Father. Okay, so, so what's the difference between joy and happiness? Happiness depends on happiness. Let me say it again. Happiness depends on happenings. That's why it's called happy. See, happiness. Happy nings. Nings. Happy. So, what happens if we haven't got good happenings? We're sad. But you know, the Bible teaches if we discover and begin to draw from God's joy, even though we might be unhappy, we might be despised. We might be going through difficulties like the Apostle Paul. We're able to say, it's all good. We're going to get through this. Why? Because I've discovered the joy of God. What does this joy look like? Here's a few ideas. Joy is a characteristic of the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God isn't about eating and drinking, but about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So what is the characteristic of being a Christian? Basically, it's those three things, righteousness, peace, and joy. Once we get righteousness that's relating to God and others rightly, we come to a place of peace with God and man and others and ourselves. Now we discover joy. You can't have one without the other. But joy is a characteristic of the kingdom of God. Joy is a characteristic of salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw waters out of the wells of salvation. With joy, with joy. Joy is the characteristic of a spirit-filled life. Now the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. Joy, there it is, right at the top all the time. Joy is a characteristic of God. True godly joy finds its joy in people, not things. For Paul, he's in the middle of prison here. You read it in Philippians. And he writes to the Philippians and he says this to the Christians. He says, you are my joy. He didn't say, the ministry is my joy. Oh man, I've met a lot of grumpy ministers. Why? Because their joy is in things or what they do rather than in people. See, when our joy's in people, it doesn't matter whether you're preaching, you're singing, you're on the back row, the front row, you're serving. It doesn't make any difference because you're not doing it for things. You're actually serving for higher things. You're serving God and people. Now, the moment that begins to happen, have a guess what the Bible teaches? It teaches joy begins to fill our lives. But if we pursue things, and goals, and they are our prime thing, and that's what we're looking for. We're never going to find the joy of God. Oh, we'll be happy for a day or two. 
we'll be happy when everyone's there supporting us and listening. But what happens when they're not? Oh, then we're depressed, we're low. Because you see, joy from God is about people, not things. Wow. You see, joy is based on the presence of God in our lives. Here's the big question that we need to ask ourselves. Is God still with me? Let's look at a scripture. Psalm 1611. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Joy comes from knowing the presence of God. Now, let me just give an, a fine line here. Do you always feel the presence of God? Oh, I wished I did. Next year is my 50th birthday as a Christian. I got saved 49 and a half years ago. So next April will be 50 years I've been following the Lord. Oh, how easy it would have been to feel the presence of God 24-7. Sometimes when I was called to make decisions as a Christian, as a leader, as a pastor, and you didn't feel anything, but you had the promise of God. And the promise of God said, I'm always with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And when that promise is in your heart, it doesn't matter what the environment is. It doesn't matter what's happening. You have a joy that surpasses circumstances because your faith and your trust is in the living God and in his word. Because circumstances change. I know I've been pastoring. I can remember Sunday after Sunday, many Sundays in the last 44 years or whatever I've been a pastor, preach with power and passion and faith. And you get off the pulpit and someone will come up to you and say, oh, pastor, we're leaving the church. So, oh, and there you're happy and now you're sad. And then you go out to the, the office and you're depressed and the deacon tells you how much was in the tithes and it was a good Sunday. Woo, you're happy now. And then the phone rings, you pick up the phone, and then you discover one of your great friends and members of the church is critically ill in hospital. Can't live like that. I meet Christians and pastors and people all over the world I travel. They live like this. That's insanity. Because we're looking for happiness. But I want to encourage us from the writings of Paul here this morning. Don't look for happiness, find joy. Find the joy of God. It'll help you endure. It'll help you have courage. Will you be happy? Let me give my testimony. I've been a Christian for 49 point whatever years. I've had most happy days. I've only had a few unhappy days. I can count on one hand the bad days. Well, maybe two. There might even be three, okay? I don't know. But I've been happy and I've been sad. I've grieved with people. I've rejoiced with people. I've had highs and lows. But you know I've discovered? He has always been with me. He will never leave you. He will never desert you. 
Therefore, we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper. That creates joy. Not a shallow, ha, 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 it's all good, but a deep joy and trust in God that it's all going to be good. I mean, what about Joseph? I mean, he wasn't always happy, was he? I mean, just imagine, just imagine, go back. He's 17 years of age. He gets this incredible vision. He's a bit immature because he decides to tell his brothers, which is not a good idea. And his father rebuked him for it. But he didn't listen. He kept telling them, I had a dream and you're all going to bow down and worship me and I'm going to be the leader. It didn't go down too good in that culture. Because the oldest was the leader. He's the young one. He's a whipsnapper. He's only 17 and now he's telling them. They backstab him. They, they, they were going to kill him. They said, let's get rid of this dreamer and see what happens to his dream. They threw him in the pit. Then you know the story. He got sold into slavery. Then he got sold to Potiphar. Then he got cheated on. He got lied about. He ends up in prison. <laughs> Not a very happy life, right? But God used it all. And he kept a right attitude. Why? Because he knew the joy of God. He knew that happenings change. But the joy never changes. Because God is with me. And you know the story. See, joy is a higher spiritual quality. Because God is the center. Let me ask you a question this morning. Who or what is the center of your life? Is it money? Is it your job? Is it your ministry? Is it things? Or even people in the sense that you, you're just wanting to please people. Or listen to me, is Christ at the center? When we place Christ at the center, joy will fill our lives. A great sense that it's all going to work together for good. Even the bad stuff, God is going to work together for good. And so the Bible tells us this. Count it all joy when you fall into trials. I don't like that scripture. I like the other one. You know, they shall lay their hands on the sick and they'll recover. They'll do this, they'll do that. But it says, count it all joy. Why? Because you see, when we have God's joy, we have God's perspective. It says this. Knowing this, that the trying of our faith works patience we have a bigger picture we're not looking for happenings and happiness we're pleasing God our hearts are filled with joy so when something happens negative or we go through a trial we go this is awesome because God's got a bigger plan for me something good is going to happen out of this man that's a joyful attitude what about the Corinthians who were wealthy and they were reluctant to give. But Paul spoke about the Macedonians. And he said they were experiencing, listen to what it says, deep poverty. Wow. But because of their joy, they were giving. So even in financial lack, they were able to give, not because they didn't have money, but because they discovered joy. Joy in poverty. Joy in lack. Wow. And you know what? If you give an unhappy person a lot of money, 
They're still an unhappy person with a lot of money. <laughs> you think about it. And then enough is never enough. More is never enough. What happens is we're just eating away because our life is based on things. We think things are going to make us happy, but it doesn't. Christ alone will bring you joy. And then once we have that as the foundation, we can face anything in life. We can get through it because God is with us. What about this scripture in Hebrews chapter 12? Now no discipline for the present seems joyous. God will discipline us. That's not a favorite verse. We should cut that out of the Bible right now. What do you mean God's going to discipline us? God will correct us for our good. And he will use circumstances. He will use leaders. He will use our spouse, our children. Like I thought I was really patient until I had four kids. <laughs> then I found myself getting angry. I never got angry like that. I found myself getting really angry when I had children. And if you don't believe me, wait till a two-year-old starts defying you and embarrassing you in front of everybody. You'll find all feelings come up. But we go, oh, it's that kid. I've given birth to Satan. The kid's demon. No, what's happening is God's using all of this to show us we need to grow up. We need to get bigger. So he says here, look, it's not joyful when you're going through it, but trust me, it's going to produce joy. It's going to produce character in us. Why? Because we're not looking for happenings, for things. Our trust is in God, and we know that he's going to build our life and make us great with God. Oh, we're running out of time. Let's finish with a few ideas here. What robs us of our joy? You know you can lose your joy. There may be some people here today that have lost their joy. Here's some good news. You can get it back. There's three or four things that will rob our joy. The first one is by reducing our Christian faith to a bunch of rules and laws. Oh, there's nothing worse than that. Joe and I have been married for 44 years. 44 years. That's a long time. Wow. People say, you're lucky. No, no, it's got nothing to do with luck. You've you got you to work on it. And, and you, 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 you've got to be, you've got to keep your joy in your marriage. Because when you lose your joy, your marriage will start to fail. You say, what do you mean? Well, just imagine if I said to Joe, honey, when's your birthday? Because I know I've, I really need to do, I, I need to get you a present because I'm your husband. Oh, that's going to go down real good. <laughs> well, what about this one? I heard, I've heard husbands say this, Pastor. I can't believe some men say this, although I can. But I said, what are you doing for your wife for Valentine's Day? So I don't do anything for Valentine's Day. It's, it's a commercial ripoff. Great. You tell your wife that. See, if you reduce... Hear me here. If you reduce your marriage relationship to a set of rules, I've got to be home at five, I've got to buy her a present, there'll be no joy in that marriage. If you reduce bringing up your children to a set of rules, 
I've, I've got to do this. I'm trapped. I really don't want to be a parent. But, hey, mate, you made them. I mean, you know, anyway, we won't go there. But people tell me, oh, I'm trapped. I can't wait until our children get up and I'll be free. Trust me, you're never free. And now we've got grandkids, they're all coming to our place. And have a guess the first place they go, the refrigerator. Like my older son said to me one day, he came home after he'd been married and living, he came home. He comes straight in the door and walks past me. I said, oh, hi, son, how you going? Nice day, you know, great. He goes straight to the refrigerator to get the orange juice. Hey, Dad, where's the plain bland? I said, what do you mean? He says, well, when we were at home, you always bought plain brand. Now you've got this fancy, expensive stuff. I said, well, since you left, we can afford the good stuff. <laughs> what am I saying? How to survive as a parent, as a husband and wife. You've got to keep the joy in your relationship. You can't reduce it to laws and rules, man. You're going to ruin it, man. Oh, well, I guess I have to. Man, you've just killed it right there, right there. It, you, we have to find the joy in people. Number two, offenses and a wounded spirit. When we take on offenses, it will kill our joy. The Bible says a wounded spirit dries the bones. We fall short of the grace of God, the writer to Hebrews says, because a root of bitterness gets in. Deal with offenses straight away. Do you know what I've learned? The best way to deal with offenses is be naive. Just go, they didn't mean it. And someone will say, oh, yes, they did. Say, nah, they had a bad day. Just be like that. D don't go, they meant it, and I'm going to get them. That's how I would have done it before I was a Christian. But all it does is make you mad and angry. And you just get bitter and bitter and you lose your joy. Just keep free. Every day, forgive people. They didn't mean it. Yes, they did. Nah, they had a bad day. I'm going to keep my joy, man. Going to keep my joy. Jealousy and competition. Jealousy and competition. Oh, there's none of that in the body of Christ. How come they're getting blessed? What about me, God? That's competition. No, no, don't allow yourself to look at what other people have and want that they have. That will rob your joy. Look to God and be thankful what you got. Be thankful for everything. Say, God, thank you, bless me. And when you hear someone else say, Lord, bless them even greater, you'll feel, well, I didn't really mean that. But pray it anyway, because competition will rob you. Cain got angry at his brother. They both brought offerings. God blessed them, and God says, oh, I don't want your one. He says, well, what's special about him? Mummy's boy, you know, he always, he's always fading. God, you're mad, man. Then he killed him. Isn't it interesting, the first murder in the Bible is over an offering. If you go to the New Testament, the first death in the New Testament was over an offering. It's really interesting. We've got to be really careful as Christians that we don't get caught up in comparing what we've got with other people. Just get happy with your gift and your lot. And 
Rejoice and you'll keep your joy. You'll keep your joy alive in God. Number four, a complaining spirit. Oh, yes, man. Whatever. That'll rob you of your joy. Gossip and tail-bearing. Let me finish with the last one. The cares of this life. I know if there are people in this room, you have cares. I know. I've, I've, I've raised a family. I know what it's like. I've worked two, three jobs sometimes to keep food on the table. The cares of this life can come and rob you of your joy. Don't let it happen. Keep your life open to God. Keep your joy. Don't let anything rob your joy because it's your strength. It'll keep you surviving. It'll keep you thriving. It'll keep you living for God. Your best life ever. We need to protect our joy. I believe we do that by having joy in the past. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Write them down. Remember the past. Don't just go, oh, well, I'm going to forget the past. I'll move. No, no, no. Remember the past and rejoice in it and be thankful to God. Rejoice in the, few, in the present. Get involved in the present. I'm just in this church waiting for God to call me. Where to? Oh, to greener grass. I saw something the other day on Facebook. It says, sometimes the grass on the other side of the fence is greener because it's fake. And it had a picture of two lawns, and one was real grass and one was the fake grass. You look really green. Be happy with what you've got. If you're married, be happy. If you're single, be happy. If you haven't got kids, be happy. If you've got kids, be happy. Allow your life. Rejoice now. Because have a guess what I've discovered. Life is a whole lot of nows. Life is not a whole lot of has-beens. Oh, I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd been there if only I... No, no, no. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. No, 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 no. Enjoy the now and you will find joy in your life. And finally, be joyful about your future. God's going to work it all out. All things work together for good to those that love God. To those that are called according to His purpose. And when we have a future in God, we'll have joy. Why don't you bow your heads with me?